Part 2 of Chapter 9 of Aviation Instructor's Handbook by the FAA. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Situational Awareness Situational awareness is the accurate perception and understanding of all the factors and conditions within the four fundamental risk elements that affect safety before, during, and after the flight. Maintaining situational awareness requires an understanding of the relative significance of these factors and their future impact on the flight. When situationally aware, the pilot has an overview of the total operation and is not fixated on one perceived significant factor. Some of the elements inside the aircraft to be considered are the status of the aircraft systems, pilot, and passengers. In addition, an awareness of the environmental conditions of the flight, such as spatial orientation of the aircraft and its relationship to terrain, traffic, weather, and airspace must be maintained. To maintain situational awareness, all of the skills involved in ADM are used. For example, an accurate perception of the pilot's fitness can be achieved through self-assessment and recognition of hazardous attitudes. A clear assessment of the status of navigation equipment can be obtained through workload management, and establishing a productive relationship with ATC can be accomplished by effective resource use. Obstacles to Maintaining Situational Awareness Many obstacles exist that can interfere with a pilot's ability to maintain situational awareness. For example, fatigue, stress, or work overload can cause the pilot to fixate on a single perceived important item rather than maintaining an overall awareness of the flight situation. A contributing factor in many accidents is a distraction, which diverts the pilot's attention from monitoring the instruments or scanning outside the aircraft. Many flight deck distractions begin as a minor problem, such as a gauge that is not reading correctly, but result in accidents as the pilot diverts attention to the perceived problem and neglects to properly control the aircraft. Fatigue, discussed as an obstacle to learning, is also an obstacle to maintaining situational awareness. It is a threat to aviation safety because it impairs alertness and performance. Figure 9-5 The term is used to describe a range of experiences from sleepy or tired to exhausted. Two major physiological phenomena create fatigue sleep loss, and circadian rhythm disruption. Fatigue is a normal response to many conditions common to flight operations because characteristics of the flight deck environment, such as low barometric pressure, humidity, noise, and vibration, make pilots susceptible to fatigue. The only effective treatment for fatigue is adequate sleep. As fatigue progresses, it is responsible for increased errors of omission, followed by errors of commission, and microsleeps or involuntary sleep lapses lasting from a few seconds to a few minutes. For obvious reasons, errors caused by these short absences can have significant hazardous consequences in the aviation environment. Sleep-deprived pilots may not notice sleepiness or other fatigue symptoms during pre-flight and departure flight operations. Once underway and established on altitude and heading, Sleepiness and other fatigue symptoms tend to manifest themselves. Extreme fatigue can cause uncontrolled and involuntary shutdown of the brain. Regardless of motivation, professionalism, or training, 
An individual who is extremely sleepy can lapse into sleep at any time, despite the potential consequences of inattention. There are a number of countermeasures for coping with fatigue, as shown in Figure 9-6. Figure 9-6 Text Countermeasures for Coping with Fatigue Long naps, 3 to 4 hours, can restore alertness for 12 to 15 hours. Short power naps, 10 to 30 minutes, restore alertness for 3 to 4 hours. Eat high-protein meals. Drink plenty of fluids, especially water. Rotate flight tasks and converse with other crew members or passengers. Keep the flight deck temperature cool. Move slash stretch in the seat and periodically get up to walk around the aircraft if possible. Note, allow 15 to 20 minutes after awakening to become fully alert before assuming aircrew duties. End of figure 9-6 text. Complacency presents another obstacle to maintaining situational awareness. Defined as overconfidence from repeated experience on a specific activity, complacency has been implicated as a contributing factor in numerous aviation accidents and incidents. Like fatigue, complacency reduces the pilot's effectiveness in the flight deck. However, complacency is harder to recognize than fatigue, since everything is perceived to be progressing smoothly. Highly reliable automation has been shown to induce overconfidence and complacency. This can result in a pilot following the instructions of the automation, even when common sense suggests otherwise. If the pilot assumes the autopilot is doing its job, he or she does not cross-check the instruments or the aircraft's position frequently. If the autopilot fails, the pilot may not be mentally prepared to fly the aircraft manually. Instructors should be especially alert to complacency in students with significant flight experience. For example, a pilot receiving a flight review in a familiar aircraft may be prone to complacency. Advanced avionics have created a high degree of redundancy and dependability in modern aircraft systems, which can promote complacency and inattention. During flight training, the CFI should emphasize that flight operations may lead to a sense of complacency, which can threaten flight safety by reducing situational awareness. By asking about positions of other aircraft in the traffic pattern, engine instrument indications, and the aircraft's location in relation to references on a chart, the instructor can determine if the student is maintaining situational awareness. The instructor can also attempt to focus the student's attention on an imaginary problem with the communication or navigation equipment. The instructor should point out that situational awareness is not being maintained if the student diverts too much attention away from other tasks, such as controlling the aircraft or scanning for traffic. These are simple exercises that can be done throughout flight training, which help emphasize the importance of maintaining situational awareness. Operational Pitfalls There are numerous classic behavioral traps that can ensnare the unwary pilot. Pilots, particularly those with considerable experience, Try to complete a flight as planned, please passengers, and meet schedules. This basic drive to demonstrate achievements can have an adverse effect on safety and can impose an unrealistic assessment of piloting skills under stressful conditions. These tendencies ultimately may bring about practices that are dangerous and sometimes illegal and may lead to a mishap. 
Students develop awareness and learn to avoid many of the operational pitfalls through effective ADM training. The scenarios and examples provided by instructors during ADM instruction should involve these pitfalls. Figure 9-7. Single Pilot Resource Management, SRM. Single Pilot Resource Management, SRM, is defined as the art and science of managing all the resources both onboard the aircraft and from outside sources, available to a single pilot prior to and during flight to ensure the successful outcome of the flight. SRM includes the concepts of ADM, Risk Management, RM, Task Management, TM, Automation Management, AM, Controlled Flight into Terrain, CFIT, Awareness, and Situational Awareness, SA. SRM training helps the pilot maintain situational awareness by managing the automation and associated aircraft control and navigation tasks. This enables the pilot to accurately assess and manage risk and make accurate and timely decisions. SRM is all about helping pilots learn how to gather information, analyze it, and make decisions. Although the flight is coordinated by a single person and not an onboard flight crew, the use of available resources such as air traffic control, ATC, and automated flight service station, AFSS, replicates the principles of CRM. SRM and the 5P Check SRM is about gathering information, analyzing it, and making decisions, learning how to identify problems, analyze the information, and make informed and timely decisions is not as straightforward as the training involved in learning specific maneuvers. Learning how to judge a situation and how to think in the endless variety of situations encountered while flying out in the real world is more difficult. There is no one right answer to ADM. Rather, each pilot is expected to analyze each situation in light of experience level, personal minimums, and current physical and mental readiness level, and make his or her own decision. SRM sounds good on paper, but it requires a way for pilots to understand and use it in their daily flights. One practical application is called the five P's, figure 9-8. The five P's consist of the plan, the plane, the pilot, the passengers, and the programming. Each of these areas consists of a set of challenges and opportunities that face a single pilot, and each can substantially increase or decrease the risk of successfully completing the flight based on the pilot's ability to make informed and timely decisions. The five P's are used to evaluate the pilot's current situation at key decision points during the flight or when an emergency arises. These decision points include pre-flight, pre-takeoff, hourly or at the midpoint of the flight, pre-descent and just prior to the final approach fix, or for visual flight rules, VFR operations, just prior to entering the traffic pattern. The five P's are based on the idea that the pilot has essentially five variables that impact his or her environment and that can cause the pilot to make a single critical decision or several less critical decisions that when added together can create a critical outcome. This concept stems from the belief that current decision-making models tend to be reactionary in nature, 
a change must occur and be detected to drive a risk management decision by the pilot. For instance, many pilots use risk management sheets that are filled out by the pilot prior to takeoff. These form a catalog of risks that may be encountered that day and turn them into numerical values. If the total exceeds a certain level, the flight is altered or canceled. Informal research shows that while these are useful documents for teaching risk factors, they are almost never used outside of formal training programs. The 5P concept is an attempt to take the information contained in those sheets and in other available models and use it. The 5P concept relies on the pilot to adopt a scheduled review of the critical variables at points in the flight where decisions are most likely to be effective. For instance, the easiest point to cancel a flight due to bad weather is before the pilot and passengers walk out the door to load the aircraft. So the first decision point is pre-flight in the flight planning room, where all the information is readily available to make a sound decision, and where communication and fixed-based operator, FBO services, are readily available to make alternate travel plans. The second easiest point in the flight to make a critical safety decision is just prior to takeoff. Few pilots have ever had an emergency takeoff. While the point of the 5P check is to help the pilot fly, the correct application of the 5P before takeoff is to assist in making a reasoned go-no-go -no decision based on all the information available. These two points in the process of flying are critical go-no-go -no points in each and every flight. The third place to review the 5Ps is at the midpoint of the flight. Often, pilots may wait until the Automated Terminal Information Service, ATIS, is in range to check weather. Yet, at this point in the flight, many good options have already passed behind the aircraft and pilot. Additionally, fatigue and low-altitude hypoxia serve to rob the pilot of much of his or her energy by the end of a long and tiring flight day. This leads to a transition from a decision-making mode to an acceptance mode on the part of the pilot. If the flight is longer than two hours, the 5P check should be conducted hourly. The last two decision points are just prior to descent into the terminal area and just prior to the final approach fix, or if VFR, just prior to entering the traffic pattern, as preparations for landing commence. Most pilots execute approaches with the expectation they will land out of the approach every time. A healthier attitude requires the pilot to assume that changing conditions, the five P's again, will cause the pilot to divert or execute the missed approach on every approach. This keeps the pilot alert to all conditions that may increase risk and threaten the safe conduct of the flight. Diverting from cruise altitude saves fuel allows unhurried use of the autopilot, and is less reactive in nature. Diverting from the final approach fix, while more difficult, still allows the pilot to plan and coordinate better, rather than executing a futile missed approach. Let's look at a detailed discussion of each of the five Ps. The plan. The plan can also be called the mission or the task. It contains the basic elements of cross-country planning, weather, route, fuel, publications currency, etc. The plan should be reviewed and updated several times during the course of the flight. A delayed takeoff due to maintenance, fast-moving weather, and a short-notice temporary flight restriction, TFR, 
may all radically alter the plan. The plan is not only about the flight plan, but also all the events that surround the flight and allow the pilot to accomplish the mission. The plan is always being updated and modified and is especially responsive to changes in the other four remaining P's. If for no other reason, the 5P check reminds the pilot that today's flight plan is real life and subject to change at any time. Obviously, weather is a huge part of any plan. The addition of real-time data link weather information give the advanced avionics pilot a real advantage in inclement weather but only if the pilot is trained to retrieve and evaluate the weather in real time without sacrificing situational awareness. And of course, weather information should drive a decision, even if that decision is to continue on the current plan. Pilots of aircraft without data link weather should get updated weather in flight through an AFSS and or flight watch. The plane. Both the plan and the plane are fairly familiar to most pilots. The plane consists of the usual array of mechanical and cosmetic issues that every aircraft pilot, owner, or operator can identify. With the advent of advanced avionics, the plane has expanded to include database currency, automation status, and emergency backup systems that were unknown a few years ago. Much has been written about single-pilot IFR flight both with and without an autopilot. While this is a personal decision, it is just that, a decision. Low IFR in a non-autopilot-equipped aircraft may depend on several of the other Ps to be discussed. Pilot proficiency, currency, and fatigue are among them. The pilot. Flying, especially when used for business transportation, can expose the pilot to high-altitude flying, long distance and endurance, and more challenging weather. An advanced avionics aircraft, simply due to its advanced capabilities, can expose a pilot to even more of these stresses. The traditional I'm safe checklist is a good start. The combination of late night, pilot fatigue, and the effects of sustained flight above 5,000 feet may cause pilots to become less discerning, less critical of information, less decisive, and more compliant and accepting. Just as the most critical portion of the flight approaches, for instance, a night instrument approach in the weather after a four-hour flight, the pilot's guard is down the most. The 5P process helps a pilot recognize the physiological situation at the end of the flight before takeoff and continues to update personal conditions as the flight progresses. Once risks are identified, the pilot is in an infinitely better place to make alternate plans that lessen the effect of these factors and provide a safer solution. The Passengers One of the key differences between CRM and SRM is the way passengers interact with the pilot. The pilot of a high-capability single-engine aircraft has entered into a very personal relationship with the passengers. In fact, the pilot and passengers sit within an arm's reach all of the time. The desire of the passengers to make airline connections or important business meetings enters easily into this pilot's decision-making loop. Done in a healthy and open way, this can be a positive factor. Consider a flight to Dulles Airport and the passengers, both close friends and business partners, need to get to Washington, D.C. for an important meeting. The weather is VFR all the way to Southern Virginia. 
then turns to low IFR as the pilot approaches Dulles. A pilot employing the 5P approach might consider reserving a rental car at an airport in northern North Carolina or southern Virginia to coincide with a refueling stop. Thus, the passengers have a way to get to Washington, and the pilot has an out to avoid being pressured into continuing the flight if the conditions do not improve. Passengers can also be pilots. If no one is designated as pilot-in-command, PIC, and unplanned circumstances arise, the decision-making styles of several self-confident pilots may conflict. Pilots also need to understand that non-pilots may not understand the level of risk involved in the flight. There is an element of risk in every flight. That is why SRM calls it risk management, not risk elimination. While a pilot may feel comfortable with the risk present in a night IFR flight, the passengers may not. A pilot employing SRM should ensure the passengers are involved in the decision-making and given tasks and duties to keep them busy and involved. If, upon a factual description of the risks present, the passengers decide to buy an airline ticket or rent a car, then a good decision has generally been made. This discussion also allows the pilot to move past what he or she thinks the passengers want to do and find out what they actually want to do. This removes self-induced pressure from the pilot. The programming. The advanced avionics aircraft adds an entirely new dimension to the way general aviation aircraft are flown. The electronic instrument displays, GPS, and autopilot reduce pilot workload and increase pilot situational awareness. While programming and operation of these devices are fairly simple and straightforward, unlike the analog instruments they replace, they tend to capture the pilot's attention and hold it for long periods of time. To avoid this phenomenon, the pilot should plan in advance when and where programming for approaches, route changes, and airport information gathering should be accomplished, as well as times it should not. Pilot familiarity with the equipment, the route, and the local air traffic control environment, and personal capabilities vis-a-vis -vis the automation should drive when, where, and how the automation is programmed and used. The pilot should also consider what his or her capabilities are in response to last-minute changes of the approach and the reprogramming required, and ability to make large-scale changes, a reroute, for instance, while hand-flying the aircraft. Since formats are not standardized, simply moving from one manufacturer's equipment to another should give the pilot pause and require more conservative planning and decisions. The SRM process is simple. At least five times before and during the flight, the pilot should review and consider plan, the plane, the pilot, the passengers, and the programming, and make the appropriate decision required by the current situation. It is often said that failure to make a decision is a decision. Under SRM and the five Ps, even the decision to make no changes to the current plan is made through careful consideration of all the risk factors present. Information Management The volume of information presented in aviation training is enormous, but part of the process of good SRM is a continuous flow of information in and actions out. How a student manages the flow of information definitely has an effect on the relative success or failure of each and every flight, because proper information contributes to valid decisions. 
SBT plays an important part in teaching the student how to gather pertinent information from all available sources, make appropriate decisions, and assess the actions taken. For a transitioning pilot, the primary flight display, PFD, multifunction display, MFD, and GPS slash very high frequency VHF navigator screens seem to offer too much information presented in colorful menus and submenus. In fact, the student may be overwhelmed and unable to find a specific piece of information. The first critical information management skill for flying with advanced avionics is to understand the system at a conceptual level. Remembering how the system is organized helps the pilot manage the available information. Simulation software and books on the specific system used are of great value in further understanding for both the CFI and the student. Another information management skill is reading. The best strategy for assessing and managing the available information from PFD to navigational charts is to stop, look, and read. The goal is for the student to learn how to monitor, manage, and prioritize the information flow to accomplish specific tasks. Task Management TM. Task Management TM, a significant factor in flight safety, is the process by which pilots manage the many concurrent tasks that must be performed to safely and efficiently fly a modern aircraft. A task is a function performed by a human as opposed to one performed by a machine, e.g. setting the target heading in the autopilot. The flight deck is an environment in which potentially many important tasks compete for pilot attention at a given time. TM determines which of perhaps many concurrent tasks the pilots attend to at any particular point in time. More specifically, TM entails initiation of new tasks, monitoring of ongoing tasks to determine their status, prioritization of tasks based on their importance, status, urgency, and other factors, allocation of human and machine resources to high-priority tasks, interruption and subsequent resumption of lower-priority tasks, and termination of tasks that are completed are no longer relevant. Humans have a limited capacity for information. Once information flow exceeds a person's ability to mentally process the information, any additional information becomes unattended or displaces other tasks and information already being processed. Once the information flow reaches its limit, two alternatives exist. Shed the unimportant tasks or perform all tasks at less than optimal level. Like an electrical circuit being overloaded, either the consumption must be reduced or a circuit failure is experienced. Once again, SBT helps the student learn how to effectively manage tasks and properly prioritize them. Automation Management Automation management is the demonstrated ability to control and navigate an aircraft by means of the automated systems installed in the aircraft. One of the most important concepts of automation management is knowing when to use it and when not to use it. Ideally, the goal of the flight instructor is to train the student until he or she has learned how to perform PTS maneuvers and procedures in the aircraft using all the available automation and or the autopilot. However, the flight instructor must ensure the student also knows how to turn everything off and hand fly the maneuver when the safety of the flight is threatened. Advanced avionics 
offer multiple levels of automation, from strictly manual flight to highly automated flight. No one level of automation is appropriate for all flight situations. But in order to avoid potentially dangerous distractions when flying with advanced avionics, the student must know how to manage the course indicator, the navigation source, and the autopilot. It is important for a student to know the peculiarities of the particular automated system being used. This ensures the student knows what to expect, how to monitor for proper operation, and promptly take appropriate action if the system does not perform as expected. At the most basic level, managing the autopilot means knowing at all times which modes are engaged and which modes are armed to engage. The student needs to verify that armed functions, e.g. navigation tracking or altitude capture, engage at the appropriate time. Automation management is a good place to practice the callout technique, especially after arming the system to make a change in course or altitude. Teaching decision-making skills. When instructor pilots discuss system safety, they generally worry about the loss of traditional stick and rudder skills. The fear is that emphasis on items such as risk management, ADM, SRM, and situational awareness detracts from the training necessary in developing safe pilots. It is important to understand that system safety flight training occurs in three phases. First, there are the traditional stick and rudder maneuvers. In order to apply the critical thinking skills that are to follow, pilots must first have a high degree of confidence in their ability to fly the aircraft. Next, the tenets of system safety are introduced into the training environment as students begin to learn how to best identify hazards, manage risk, and use all available resources to make each flight as safe as possible. This can be accomplished through scenarios that emphasize the skill sets being taught. Finally, the student is introduced to more complex scenarios, demanding focus on several safety of flight issues. Thus, scenarios should start out rather simply, then progress in complexity and intensity as the student can handle the learning load. A traditional stick and rudder maneuver, such as short field landings, can be used to illustrate how ADM and risk management can be incorporated into instruction. In phase one, the initial focus is on developing the stick and rudder skills required to execute this operation safely. These include power and airspeed management, aircraft configuration, placement in the pattern, wind correction, determining the proper aim point and sight picture, etc. By emphasizing these points through repetition and practice, a student eventually acquires the skills needed to execute a short field landing. Phase two introduces the many factors that come into play when performing a short field landing, which include runway conditions, no flap landings, airport obstructions, and rejected landings. The introduction of such items need not increase training times. In fact, all of the hazards or considerations referenced in the short field landing lesson plan may be discussed in detail during the ground portion of the instructional program. For example, if training has been conducted at an airport that enjoys an obstruction-free 6,000-foot runway, consider the implications of operating the same aircraft out of an 1,800-foot strip with an obstruction off the departure end. Add to that additional considerations, such as operating the aircraft at close to its maximum gross weight under conditions of high-density altitude, 
and now a single training scenario has several layers of complexity. The ensuing discussion provides a valuable training exercise, and it comes with little additional ground and no added flight training. Finally, Phase 3 takes the previously discussed hazards, risks, and considerations and incorporates them into a complex scenario. This forces a student to consider not only a specific lesson item, in this case, short field landings, but also requires that it be viewed in the greater context of the overall flight. For example, on a cross-country flight, the student is presented with a realistic distraction, perhaps the illness of a passenger. This forces a diversion to an alternate for which the student has not planned. The new destination airport has two runways, the longest of which is closed due to construction. The remaining runway is short, but while less than ideal, should prove suitable for landing. However, upon entering the pattern, the student finds the electrically driven flaps do not extend. The student must consider whether to press on and attempt the landing or proceed to a secondary alternate. If he or she decides to go forward and attempt the landing, this proves an excellent time to test the requisite stick and rudder skills. If the student decides to proceed to a second alternate, this opens new training opportunities. Proceeding further tests cross-country skills, such as navigation, communication, management of a passenger in distress, as well as the other tasks associated with simply flying the aircraft. The outlined methodology simply takes a series of seemingly unrelated tasks and scripts them into a training exercise requiring both mechanical and cognitive skills to complete it successfully. SBT helps the flight instructor effectively teach ADM and risk management. The what, why, and how of SBT has been discussed extensively throughout this handbook. In teaching ADM, it is important to remember the learning objective is for the student to exercise sound judgment and make good decisions. Thus, the flight instructor must be ready to turn the responsibility for planning and execution of the flight over to the student as soon as possible. Although the flight instructor continues to demonstrate and instruct skill maneuvers when the student begins to make decisions, the flight instructor should revert to the role of mentor and or learning facilitator. The flight instructor is an integral part of the system's approach to training and is crucial to the implementation of an SBT program, which underlies the teaching of ADM. Remember, for SBT instruction to be effective, it is vital the flight instructor and the student establish the following information. Scenario destinations, desired student learning outcomes, desired level of student performance, possible in-flight scenario changes. It is also important for the flight instructor to remember that a good scenario is not a test, will not have a single correct answer, does not offer an obvious answer, engages all three learning domains, is interactive, should not promote errors, should promote situational awareness and opportunities for decision-making, requires time-pressure decisions. The flight instructor should make the situation as realistic as possible. This means the student knows where he or she is going and what transpires on the flight. While the actual flight may deviate from the original plan, it allows the student to be placed in a realistic scenario. The student will plan the flight to include route, destinations, weather, NOTAMs, 
possible emergency procedures. Since the scenarios may have several good outcomes and a few poor ones, the flight instructor should understand in advance which outcomes are positive and or negative and give the student the freedom to make both good and poor decisions. This does not mean that the student should be allowed to make an unsafe decision or commit an unsafe act. However, it does allow the students to make decisions that fit their experience level and result in positive outcomes. Teaching decision-making skills has become an integral part of flight training. The word decision is used several times in each PTS, and applicants are judged on their ability to make a decision as well as their ability to perform a task. Thus, it is important for CFIs to remember that decision-making is a component of the PTS. Assessing SRM Skills The student's performance is often assessed only on a technical level. The instructor determines whether maneuvers are technically accurate and that procedures are performed in the right order. In SRM assessment, instructors must learn to assess students on a different level. How did the student arrive at a particular decision? What resources were used? Was risk assessed accurately when a go-no-go -go decision was made? Did the student maintain situational awareness in the traffic pattern? Was workload managed effectively during a cross-country flight? How does the student handle stress and fatigue? Instructors should continually evaluate student decision-making ability and offer suggestions for improvement. It is not always necessary to present complex situations which require detailed analysis. By allowing students to make decisions about typical issues as they arise throughout the course of training, such as their fitness to fly, weather conditions, and equipment problems, instructors can address effective decision-making and allow students to develop judgment skills. For example, when a discrepancy is found during pre-flight inspection, the student should be allowed to initially determine the action to be taken. Then, the effectiveness of the student's choice and other options that may be available can be discussed. Opportunities for improving decision-making abilities occur often during training. If the tower offers the student a runway that requires landing with a tailwind in order to expedite traffic, the student can be directed to assess the risks involved and asked to present alternative actions to be taken. Perhaps the most frequent choice that has to be made during flight training is the go-no-go -no -go decision based on weather. While a final choice to fly lies with the instructor, students can be required to assess the weather prior to each flight and make a go-no-go -go determination. In addition, instructors should utilize SBT to create lessons that are specifically designed to test whether students are applying SRM skills. Planning a flight lesson in which the student is presented with simulated emergencies, a heavy workload, or other operational problems can be valuable in assessing the student's judgment and decision-making skills. During the flight, student performance can be evaluated for workload and or stress management. As discussed in Chapter 5, SRM grades are based on these four components. Explain. The student can verbally identify, describe, and understand the risks inherent in the flight scenario. The student needs to be prompted to identify risks and make decisions. Practice. 
the student is able to identify, understand, and apply SRM principles to the actual flight situation. Coaching, instruction, and or assistance from the CFI quickly corrects minor deviations and errors identified by the CFI. The student is an active decision maker. Manage, decide. The student can correctly gather the most important data available both within and outside the flight deck, identify possible courses of action, evaluate the risk inherent in each course of action, and make the appropriate decision. Instructor intervention is not required for the safe completion of the flight. Not observed. Any event not accomplished or required. Post-flight, collaborative assessment or learner-centered grading, LCG, also discussed in Chapter 5, is a vital component of assessing a student's SRM skills. As a reminder, collaborative assessment includes two parts, learner self-assessment and a detailed assessment by the flight instructor. The purpose of the self-assessment is to stimulate growth in the student's thought processes and, in turn, behaviors. The self-assessment is followed by an in-depth discussion between the flight instructor and the student, which compares the CFI's assessment to the student's self-assessment. An important element of SRM skill assessment is that the CFI provides a clear picture of the progress the student is making during the training. Grading should also be progressive. During each flight, the student should achieve a new level of learning. For Flight 1, the Automation Management Area might be a Describe item. By Flight 3, it would be a Practice item. And by Flight 5, Manage Decide item. Chapter Summary This chapter introduced aviation instructors to the underlying concepts of safety risk management, which the FAA is integrating into all levels of the aviation community. End of Chapter 9